this morning, my wife yells at me. She goes, the dog's on top of one of the chickens and she's got her, she's got one of the chicken's heads in, in her mouth. So I'm like, I was ready to get up. She goes, just shock her. I was like, okay, this might be fun. So I, we got a, one of the shock collars because we're training her. She's only five months old. So I hit the shock and all I heard was, Aip! and I said, is the chicken's head still there? My wife goes, yep. Second you shocked her, the chicken took off running. So you can cut that or keep that, Clint. I don't really care. <laughs> my, my wife's like, some people don't like it that you shock dogs to train them. I'm like, well, I'll put it on them and shock them if they don't like it. I don't you you shock people to train them. Uh, very true. Very <laughs> See, true. this is all part of professional development. It is. Very much so. Very much so. Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macrow. Brought to you by Public Safety and Education and the Trigger Pressers Union. And now, your hosts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Meet the Pressers. My name is Clint Macro, and this is Matt Mallory. And we've got a special guest today, John Tig. This episode is brought to you by Shooter Technology Group, the makers of LASR software, ASP, Saber Red, and Lee Armory. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your background. 13 hours, Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, a lot lot going on since uh, you got out of the military. Why don't you uh, enlighten uh, our viewers and our listeners to your history, your background, what you're doing now, what's uh, near and dear to your heart? You know, pretty much a lot of people already know about the 13-hour story, but... um... Nowadays, I just do uh, try to get as many shooting events. I do a thing called Tactical Games. It's kind of a tough man, CrossFit meets two-gun. It's more of a military-style shooting competition. Uh, Very cool. It's more physical and mentally demanding. It's not just pulling the trigger like three-gun. Mm-hmm. And then I just you know do speaking events and do a lot of charity events, which I'm doing one with you up in October. Yes, sir. Looking forward to having you up here. So just so the, the, the viewers know, we're going to basically, it's going to be kind of like a Friends of NRA dinner where door prizes, giveaways, uh, raffles and such. Uh, over dinner, John's going to tell uh, the story, what happened in Benghazi and, and his life and leading up to that, I guess. And then five lucky winners get to go out the next day and have lunch with them as well as get to go to the range and shoot some fun guns. Uh, Car Arms actually just emailed me the other day saying they're going to send us a forty-five seventy handgun to be able to, uh, to shoot and have some fun with. So I'm looking forward to that for the, uh, for the event. And uh, we've got Tommy Gun, Uzi, AK-47, a sporterized Mosin the Gaunt. So we'll have some fun guns to, to get out there and shoot with and, and uh, just have fun. Yeah, we'll have what, a TIG series, Tommy Gun, and car pistol. That's what you're coming up with? Or coming over with, I should say? Legal in New York. I mean, I don't know. We have guns in New York that actually shoot bullets? Um, spitballs. That's all we're allowed. Yeah, they say replica on the side, right? <laughs> cap guns, just little cap guns. So what's different about your version of the Tommy gun? Uh, I don't know which one they're bringing. I mean, obviously, it's not the, it's not the full auto one, but uh, right. the only road, they didn't really do a whole lot to it. They just put my signature, uh, put my logo on it, and my, the foundation logo, because what the, a lot of the proceeds that when they sell the gun goes to the foundation. Cool. Cool. Maybe they make it a little lighter. <laughs> Tommy guns are heavy, man. I can't believe people carried those around during World War II. That's pretty impressive. It's like carrying a freaking uh, saw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, heavy, but they're fun to shoot, though. Accuracy. Yes. 
very very fun to shoot the the weight does something for the recoil though that's definitely for sure I, i've shot it one-handed it's because of the weight of it it just doesn't so i don't know if i want to try it one-handed did you have a strap or did you just hold it like rambo hold it up. yeah rambo yeah. i think i got video of it too nice. yeah if you did shot it one-handed you had to go uh well you had to yell too right <laughs> <laughs> so you're beyond the battlefield foundation tell us a little bit about that uh you know what the proceeds from that go to because that's actually the the nonprofit that we're going to be donating the proceeds to for our event we're doing in october yeah i mean uh, we try to do as much as we can for veterans and first responders uh, our main goal is to get uh, service dogs for veterans and first responders but we've also we've helped remodel a house for a veteran in houston who got hit by a hurricane we're actually in the process of getting a new house. It's more of a modular kind of house for a veteran out in San Antonio. And we've helped them with uh, food bills, utility bills, uh, PTS treatment, TBI treatment. You know, anything they come to us, if we can do it, we're going to do it. If we can't, we're not just going to push them away. We're going to find the resources that they need and send them to them. So we, we try to do as much as we can when we can. Nice. Very nice. And, and one of the things that, that I was uh, – intrigued about or was really honored about is that you, you said that some of the proceeds will pick one local charity too to get some of the proceeds so it's not all going to your foundation we do pick a local uh, charity that we can give back to and we haven't picked that charity yet we're still kind of looking around and seeing what uh what other charities are in the area that that would uh that we could donate to october 19th is the main dinner that evening and people can go to our website psned.com and go to the events page and it's, it's listed up there. And then the 20th is going to be the date that we'll go out to the range, have lunch and go out to the range with Tig and, and uh, just break bread and break targets. Well, hopefully, <laughs> ho hopefully not break my targets, but shoot paper, both. You taking shotguns, you could break birds. Oh, we could do that too. Yeah. We got some shotguns we could throw in there if somebody wants to, maybe we'll, that's what we'll do. We'll ask them what they want to shoot. Let them pick a couple guns. You know, and just bring out the ones that they desire to shoot the most out of. You need to get a local car dealership to donate a shooting car. Uh, I probably pack it full of Tannerite. Yeah, I um, could do that too. I got a lot of Tannerite. The boss right there is like, oh, look at this. Now you got me thinking, Clint. There you go. There you go. So, Tig, you and I, we, we shared some space very briefly. Uh, in 2017, we were on the same squad for one day at the uh, NRA World Shooting Championship. Oh, okay. And it was the day we did all the shotgun stuff. And, and I can say from my own performance, I was very unremarkable that day. Oh, uh, but but uh, we didn't get to stick around. You, you had left. You had something you were doing on the second day. So I didn't get a chance to really get to talk to you. But uh, we had served on that same squad on at, at world shooting championship yeah i think i was actually taken off i was only there i didn't think i actually shot the whole weekend so i think i was shooting with the staff too mm. or when i shot the second day with the squad and then the same thing going on this year i'm going to nra world shoot and i can't shoot with everybody i'm shooting with the, uh, the staff but it was fun i mean it's a fun match to go to though it's it's kind of cool to see all the pro guys like shooting the stock guns and doing disciplines that they're not normally used to, like the pistol folks, like really having a difficult time getting behind a long gun or the other way around. It's, it kind of levels the playing field for sure. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Jason. From Shooter Technology Group. And you're listening to Meet the Pressers. Meet the Pressers. Do you keep in touch with a lot of the, the other guys from Benghazi? 
Um, for the most part, you know, we every now and then we heat each other up. I actually talk with um, Jack more than the other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're just so busy half the time. And I yeah. Think, you know, I think Tonto was going to come to one of ours this year, but I don't think he is. But, you know, it's just off and on. We we text each other. Um, but, you know, we're just all so busy going our own way. Like Oz, he lives out in Colorado, but when I'm home, he's gone. When I'm, you know, he's just kind of. Like a quick five minute, hey, how you doing? Gotta go. <laughs> yeah. You catch me as I'm walking by. I remember it was a shot show, maybe I was walking by the car booth and you're like, you said something like, don't walk into the wall or something like that. I was like, huh? What? Oh, hey. <laughs> there you are. It's like selfie time. That place is a madhouse. It is. I'm surprised at the end of that show they don't do or they don't do what they do at the end of the Great American show and everybody's like, nine days, yeah, it's over. Thank you. Because it's so draining at the Great American show. Yeah, I think I did that one. I was only, I think I did that one once. Shooter Technology Group, actually one of the sponsors of the show, they, they uh, tasked me, they want me to go and help with the, the last weekend. So I'll, I'll probably, if everything works out, I'll be working their booth that last weekend of the show. Yeah, Harrisburg is about a four hour, well, three, three hours and change drive from where I am. So I usually get to go down maybe one day and I'll do the lightning round, see everybody. And uh, my son likes to go along and take pictures of all the animal mounts in the outfitter hall. So I have to traverse through the duck call room, which will make you go nuts if you go in there because it's just so noisy. And then, then we'll go look at the animals. But uh, that's been the extent of my uh, my workings down there at the Great American. Yeah. You can just just go out and sit in my yard, and you hear the chickens rah, 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 all day long. It's no different, right? Yeah. Okay, I got quiet chickens. What's that? You got quiet chickens. They don't quack very much. You got quiet chickens. We could divert into a whole chicken thing because I didn't realize, John, you were a chicken owner. I am oh, a chicken man. owner as well. So we, we all could share stories about our coops. And, and <laughs> see, right now, I've got a neighbor who decided to get chickens. And prior to them getting chickens, they were putting out feed and my chickens would go to their house. But now that they got their own flock, they said, we don't want you letting your chickens come up to our house anymore. I'm like, well, wait a minute. You taught them to come up there by feeding them. So now we have to keep them cooped up. Yeah, we got to keep ours uh, fenced in because we got chicken hawks out here. We've got hawks here too out in the country, but they uh, the chickens still run around the yard. We, I had a, actually cool story last night. We had a skunk in the chicken coop. I take uh, the puppy out. We go out to lock the chickens in with our three year old daughter, and we're walking out, and she's got her nose on the ground. She's routing around, and I'm like, "What are you smelling?" And my wife had told me earlier she's seen a, a, a skunk cross the dr- the road, the driveway when she was coming down it. Uh, last night. So I'm thinking it could be a skunk, but who knows? I go and I shut the doors. I go around inside to get the the eggs and turn the light on and all the chickens freaking flying off the roost bar and everything all freaking out. And I'm like, yep, there's something in there. And I look in and it's a little, little baby skunk. So I went back around, opened the door and, you know, kind of walked around slowly to scare it, but not scare it enough. So it stunk me up and it took off and I shut the door and that was the end of it. Did you use your ASP scribe flashlight to identify the skunk? I didn't use the scribe flashlight, (laughs) but I used my ASP bigger bad boy flashlight. And the tungsten. Tungsten, yes. (laughs) So ASP, if you haven't gathered yet, Tig, uh, ASP is a sponsor of the show. Yeah, we have to to do our product placement whenever possible. (laughs) No, I don't have an ASP, so... So what do you do for fun, man? Like what's, what's, what's your hobbies? What do you like to do for fun, man? Cause you travel a lot, right? Extensively. Really? I mean, my biggest hobby is just trying to get the shooting competitions. I mean, it's, I mean, at home it's more like work. I enjoy it. Cause you know, it's a farm. I got cattle and stuff too. Cool. 
I just uh, fixed up the other side of the property. We finally got rid of our prairie, prairie dog issue, mm. uh, which is oh. kind of kind of sad in a way because I was I really really enjoyed the target practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was gonna say, how far did you shoot them from? What was the range? <laughs> oh, I can pop them out about four hundred yards. Four hundred. Yeah, well, well, yeah. Let's see, it's pretty close to that. I didn't really range it, but pretty close to four hundred. Usually, I try to use the twenty-two to see how far it actually go. Mm-hmm. Which was, you know, obviously the ammo is not really accurate every now and because you aim right. at the same spot because they don't move; they just sit there. Yeah, so you just you see one round go way off to one way, one way off, one way over, and finally you hit it. Usually after the fourth round, they kind of do run, but usually by the fourth round, I go. But. Because I had one close-up area. I actually put shooting towers up mm-hmm. higher than the grass. And they kind of learned that when I come out my door, they all the ones up close to the fire, all the ones in the back. So, but yeah, I would shoot them anywhere from a 300 wind mag down to a 22. Just depends nice. on the Nice. You know, you should stuff some tannerite in one of those holes, and then, uh, you know, when it comes up, or close to the hole, then when it comes up, just shoot the tannerite. And... What did I think of that? would be fun. Pink mist. Or go for mist. <laughs> go for mist. That sounds like a like a Zima or a drink from yes, the 90s. Sports drink. <laughs> you can have some go for mist. Good for your morning breakfast. So one of the things, Tig, I wanted to ask you, uh, I, I have some background in the film industry. Uh, worked in Hollywood for a couple of years. Never worked on anything as big as the 13 Hours movie. But uh, I saw in the behind the scenes, they had you in there quite a bit insinuating that you were there as a technical advisor and I, I know how Hollywood can be how how much did were you involved in that really and how accurate was that movie I'm curious to curious to hear your thoughts on that I want to say we weren't really involved a whole lot um, a lot of the actors just kind of wanted to know how we would handle the guns and how we would you know transition from one weapon to another weapon uh, they actually had a a couple seals that were training the actors and on the weapons and all that stuff. But when we got on, we were only on set for 10 days. You're not really going to show a whole lot, you know, teach them a whole lot in 10 days while they're right. working. Um, but it was still a lot of fun. And I think we had a lot of input for the uh, annex, the, the, the setup for the annex and how it looked, which it looked really freaking, I would probably say the annex was about on the outside, just the compound itself was 80%, 90% accurate. Wow. When you walked in, you're just like, holy crap. It felt like you're right back there. As for the movie as a whole, I would say 60% accurate for that night. I could say with a lot of movies, uh, that's probably pretty good. Yeah. At yeah. least at least you, they weren't charging their charging handles on their uh, ARs every time. Like, yeah, let's go get the bad guys. And then they get there and like, stop. And they charge the handles again, or you know, like always racking the slides on the guns you see in the cop shows. It drives me nuts. My wife's like, "Stop! It's just a movie." I'm like, "Yes, but it's where's their subject matter experts? They need to hire Tig for this." They're like, well, because it sounds cool. That's why they do it. No, of course, it's yeah, it's the just shoot. That sounds cool too. Well, yeah, there's the the explosions and the the sound of the guns have to be hyper realistic on a film. Just one of them unwritten things. And it doesn't matter what type of firearm they have in their hand. When they bring it up, you got to put the sound of a hammer cocking back. That's just like you have to. <laughs> and then if it's too. nighttime and the gun goes bang, which the bang will be bigger than it actually sounds, yeah. you have to have a dog bark in the background. <laughs> or if it's daytime, you got to have a crow go, caw, 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 after the gunshot goes off. Yeah. 
These are some of the unwritten rules, at least of sound. That I can speak from. And the muzzle flash, you got to see the muzzle flash and the huge recoil of the 22 rifle or 22 <laughs> handgun, right? <laughs> like, that's not realistic. Every round's a tracer. Yeah, yeah. That's, true. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you had alluded, you had said that the uh, one of the things was the, the explosions. That was the one thing that, that wasn't as realistic as what actually happened. Cars, I think you said to me, cars don't blow up like that or, or something. We didn't have any cars that blew up, period. Yeah. Because again, it's just one of those things they you know dramatize everything because right. there wasn't there wasn't enough action going on for real life, so they had to you know get it up. I'm Laura Parks, marketing and membership manager for the National Muzzleloading Rifle Association here in beautiful Friendship, Indiana, and today you are watching Meet the Pressers with Clint Macro and Matt Mallory. Meet the Pressers. So what's what's next on your plate as far as any big projects aside from continuing doing what you're doing, spreading the awareness of your organization, or do you have some other projects coming up? Yeah, no, not really. I mean, just trying to get involved with the tactical games, trying to get that going forward, and hoping Tim Burke out. And that thing's it's pretty much grown on its own now. I mean, it's I mean he did two the first year, and then I I could jump on board on the second one. And, yeah, I, I, it's awesome. It was a lot of fun. So I've been pushing that one out quite a bit. And um, other than that, that's really it. You know, just trying to push my foundation as much as we can to get that get this thing to grow, and so we can help more people. Who's the Who's the end user for the tactical games? Just anybody, or is there any a prerequisite? Or if you just kind of getting into shooting, you don't want to be involved in it because it's it's really fast paced, and you ain't gonna have time to learn how to you know, doing the weapons transitioning, weapons handling, the safety of it. Because, yeah. again, you pull with five people at one time. And there are, uh, we call them judges behind you. And they're kind of making sure you are safe. They kind of remind you what you're doing because you're physically exhausted. And that's why you need to have very good weapons handling. It's not going to be, for, again, for a beginner shooter. It definitely is not. I mean, you're going to have more like SWAT guys and stuff like that, military yeah doing this kind of stuff but it's again it's just it's a lot of fun and very competitive you gotta have a uh, body armor you're wearing your body armor just kind of like you're going into combat yeah. and they weigh it make sure you're not cheating females i think it's 14 pounds and men it's 17 pounds or something like that so total for the vest or for the vest and weights yeah no just the vest and the plates hmm. so, i think mine's about 20 pounds yeah overachiever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now you don't uh, you don't instruct currently, right? You're not doing any kind of instruction. I mean, you mentioned the one situation, but you're not actively doing classes or teaching uh, combat techniques or anything to civilians, military, or law enforcement. Um, myself and this guy Scott Campbell, we you know we've done a couple classes. Um, I think we're going to be in, got one more coming up in Arizona. Nice. I think we're waiting for it, but. Our, our biggest problem is our schedule between me and him. He's yeah. retired. He works more now. So, um, but we, we try to do things here and there. Nice. And then as far as, so the major majority of your time is, is going around for charity events and then also doing competitions, right? Yeah. So I'm sorry? Meet and greets. Meet and greets. Yeah. And then for the, uh, for the competitions, what, uh, which ones would you say are the ones you enjoy doing continuously or ones you possibly are looking to do in the future that you haven't done yet? Any of those on, on the horizon or in the past that you look, you look forward to doing again? 
Well, um, MGM Iron Man ain't doing that one no more, I think. That one was a lot of fun. That was actually my very first one. But I'm just mainly I'm just going to focus more on the tactile game portion of it. Mm-hmm. If I can do some three gun competitions here and there, I probably will. But it's just I do so much traveling already that you know, I don't really yeah. do a whole lot here in Colorado for the most part. They do some local matches. I've been to them, um, like local steel matches, and you know I've done those. You know down there a little bit here and there, kind of keep my shooting up as much as I can. Are there any sponsors that you want to help further their brand and drop their name on their show so we can uh, give them some props? Well, I know, um, you know, obviously Car Firearms, they're going to, they, they donate a lot of stuff. Uh, Brownells, they'll be donating stuff for the, the charity events. Uh, Lucid Optics, I just picked them up. So we'll probably have some Lucid Optics with us to take out there. And um, Yeah, I mean, that's, who wants to help us out? I mean, uh, Shy Tech. I think they they're gonna donate some stuff. Uh, I'm not an ambassador for them, but they like the foundation. They came out to our big hog roast. Nice. Uh, the wife, she knows she knows the majority of the the people who donate than I do. I don't know until I get there half the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot of good companies that help us out. I just can't remember them all right off the, right off my head. Gotcha. Yeah, we're looking forward to having you and the and the wife out, and it's just going to be the two of you, right? I think so because the twins will be in school, so we try to. Gotcha. I mean, it's fun. It's 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 fun to travel with them, but it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Can imagine. Yeah. yeah, I take my son with me when I travel. He was in. We went to Massachusetts and did some uh, dates for the PDN uh, training tour, and the whole time I was there, he was behind us. Well, actually, uprange, digging in one of the uh, the side berms, and he found a horseshoe and some fossils, and <laughs> and then I bring him out whenever it's time to paint lines on the ground. You give him the spray can, but it's it's good to take your kids with you if you can, man. Definitely, absolutely. Actually, I took my daughter out to a DC women's match in Texas, and you know, try to get her out there out the window. I mean, she wanted to get into shooting stuff and. Instead of like going out there and shooting, she learned how to drive a golf cart. She started driving resupplies and everybody up and down the range. She's what? Cool. Uh, she did one steel match last year. Trying to get her to do them this year. She wasn't interested in them. So, yeah, it is what it is. Well, it's awesome having you on. Lo- definitely look forward to seeing you in October and hopefully at some of the, the shows between now and then. Um, well, actually, there's no shows between now and then. So, next time I'll see you is in October. It, yeah, it'll be a fun time, I think. All right, man. Appreciate it. All right, take care. Be safe. Stay safe. I'm Elliot Chang. And I'm Jeff Laird. And we're we're with Panda Tactical from Lexington Park, Maryland. And you're watching Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro. Meet the Pressers. So as educators, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the very fundamental skills that you must have if you're going to use a farm to defend yourself and your loved ones. And the really the, the biggest foundational thing that you need to master as a skill outside of just safe handling would be grip. So Matt, why don't you start us off? Give us a little bit of uh, Matt's Kung Fu of uh, grip, grip clinic. Uh, my Kung Fu, my ramen noodles. Okay. So I usually will tell people in my classes that think, of, think back relating the known to the unknown because guns are a foreign object to, to people that are just getting into it. And even to some people that have been in it a while, especially if they're transitioning over from a, a long gun to a handgun. So and we think back when we were kids and we played cops and robbers or, or a good guy, bad guy, whatever. Uh, how, do we shoot, how do we shoot each other? Right? Just like that. Bang, bang. 
unless you're wealthy, then you might've had a double barrel. But anyway, so this is a known. This is what the major majority of people know and reference as something as a gun. So if we take this known and pair it up with this unknown, just like this, now what do we have? Now we have finger in a safe direction, right? Finger not on the trigger until you intend to shoot. Whereas normally people that don't know how to grip a firearm, they're going to come in like this because the grip reflex, grasp reflex is something that we naturally have. And they're going to come in just like that with their finger on the trigger, or maybe like this, or, you know, maybe like this, something to that extent, too close to the trigger for comfort, or they'll come in like this. And I see that all the time as well. And now once they pop out, now they've got these two points of reference, which are very crucial when it comes to a grip is having a nice firm grip on that firearm, you want these two contacts, these two points of reference. You want your finger touching under the trigger, trigger guard, and then you want high on that back strap on that beaver tail, way up inside like that. So this foundation, I call it like a house. Now we're relating another known to the unknown. That foundation we want to make sure is, is solid because if the foundation on a house isn't solid, when you go to put that wall in, right, here's your wall, you go to put that wall in and make that third point of contact, what happens if that foundation isn't solid and in place, then you can't get that wall in there like it's supposed to be. And I, I say chop and hinge that mindset. And now you've got a perfect two thumbs forward grip. Okay. And if the wall's not good, you got to hire a contractor to come in and fix it. And take it away, Clint, because you're the contractor. <laughs> you and I. <laughs> well, I agree with all that. I have one little extra thing that I like to add in. And this is what I think of my Kung Fu. This is something I started doing a few years ago. And and I didn't actually teach it, but I've been teaching it now because I, I feel that it works and I've seen enough people apply this little variance to their grip and see definite results, especially in regards to recoil management. So let me rewind a little bit. Where did this come from? I am a musician. I play drums. That's where I came from. I started playing drums when I was a little kid. And when you play drums, you want to get a snap of the wrist. If you have your arm extended and the thumb on top of the stick, you cannot snap the wrist. Can't do it. It's just stuck there. So we always teach people when we're playing drums to rotate the hands so you can snap the wrist, right? So one day I was playing drums and I'm looking at my hand and I started to backwards engineer this. Like this is actually very bad to play drums, but if my thumb is in line with this bone, it locks in place, I can't go anywhere. Like if I relax, I've got more more motion here, right? If that thumb is forward and locked in place, I can't go anywhere with it. It's locked in place. It's a biomechanical stop. So I thought, hmm, let's see how I can add this into my grip. So we've got strong hand grip, and I agree with everything that, that Matt said. Bring in that wall. I like to say do an upwards karate chop and then nice. roll the hand back and fill it into space here. But I'll get my thumb forward so it's in line with that bone. And it puts my thumb way forward. So like if you look on the side, my thumb's ahead of my trigger finger. Mm -hmm. But as I'm driving the gun out and I shoot and I'm dealing with recoil, to get the gun settled and back on the target, all I have to do is re-engage my shoulders and get the arms in front of shoulders and shoulders engaged. And that naturally puts that gun right back down in. Nice. And if my thumb is riding essentially alongside of the frame, of course, I'm not pushing the gun or, or encumbering the frame, obviously. It's just kind of resting there but I can't move the gun anywhere. It's like, so all I got to do is just arms in front of shoulders, engage the shoulders and the guns right back down on onto the target. So I recommend trying that. If you have that support arm mm -hmm. and that thumb in line with this bone here and then get your two handed grip that way, you know, bring it up, karate chop, roll in, whatever, whatever works best for you, but getting that lock to happen 
will really, really help, I believe, to uh, mitigate recoil and get your gun right back on target a lot faster for those follow-up shots. And you heard it here on Meet the Pressers. Hi, I'm Lee Pell with DEFCON Safe. This is Meet the Pressers with Matt and Clint. Meet the Pressers. Point blank, this is a newsletter that comes out through the uh, Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms. And uh, there's a neat little thing in here in this most recent issue, and it's the Citizens Action Project. It just goes on to say that there are some things that we can do very simply to be, to be good uh, advocates for the Second Amendment. And one of them, in summertime, many of our legislators or elected officials are on break. And it goes on to talk about how you should meet up with your le legislators at their local office because they're probably there and they're probably not that far from you. You don't have to travel all the way to the state capitol to see them there and educate them. Go there, talk to them, talk to them about what the Second Amendment means to you, what, what your responsibility to protect yourself and those that you love means to you and how their decisions in the halls of Congress or in the Senate can affect your ability to efficiently protect those that you love. Also, it goes on to talk about as Labor Day approaches, seeking out an opportunity to talk to them at public events. And that's a great place to have an, a dialogue, a respectful dialogue about our rights and liberties. And if they're pro-liberty, then heck, go there, shake their hands, thank them and ask them how we can help. And if they're not, well, let's take an opportunity to try and educate them. We have to look at those folks as challenges and, and talk to them too. Definitely. We have a lot of sponsors that made this show possible. Make sure you check them out and give them your business. This episode is brought to you by Shooter Technology Group, the makers of LASR software, ASP, Saber Red, and Lee Armory. Thank you. Thanks for watching the show. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, and click that little bell to make sure you know when our next episode's uploaded. Until next time, adieu. Meet the Pressers.